0: The principles of giving apply across the board. But when we ask why should we give to a one-time needed gift, I think those are the same reasons why we should have an ongoing gift, an ongoing ministry of tithing to our local church. I also want to, before we dig into God's word, want to clarify something here. I am not of the opinion that our church at First Baptist needs all of your money. We don't rely on your money to function. I want to make that very clear. We rely on God's provision and what He provides for us. I had someone ask me about a year or two ago, uh, they said, we're no longer attending your church. We haven't for as long as I've been here, Uh, but uh, we're attending another church very faithfully. We're plugged in and we're involved, and I rejoice that they were attending uh, a church somewhere. But they asked me, we're we're torn because the church we're attending, um, they may not need our tithe money as much as First Baptist needs your tithe money. So is it okay if we continue to send a tithe check to First Baptist, even though we're attending a church in another town? And part of me, as a a money-grubbing individual that we all tend to be, goes, that'd sound fantastic. As a matter of fact, if you could double that, that'd be really showing your commitment to our church. But of course, that's not my heart at all. I said, listen, this is not about giving to First Baptist. This is about being obedient to where God has put you. You need to give your tithe money to your church. And I firmly believe that. We don't rely on people giving to this church to provide for our church. We rely on God's provision. And he uses that through tithes and offerings. He provides for us through people giving. But I want to make it very clear. This is not a message that is telling you to give to the church or else God's work will not be done. Instead, it is a message as we're going to read for why we should give and participate in the great things that God is doing. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to expand on that a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, reading verses 6 through 15 together. So after Paul has described this offering that has been collected for the church in Jerusalem, he says, the point is this. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for the sowing and increase your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of god upon you thanks be to god for this indescribable gift and as we read second corinthians chapter 9 we we're very aware that paul is writing some specific blessings but i want to warn us that this passage has been abused and misused so often that we we shy away from it because we want to distance ourselves from the false teaching that has come from this passage instead this morning of shying away from how people have manipulated god's word can we take a look at what paul is actually saying to us on why it is so important to give and support god's ministry i've got several reasons why paul is telling us we should give generously, why he's calling us to give of our tithes and offerings and our our love gifts. And we're going to look at those in your bulletin. You can fill in blanks if you want to follow along. They'll be up on the screen as we are convicted of why God is calling us to give. The first reason is to see God's ministry expand. God wants us to participate in his ministry. God calls us to give to see his ministry grow and expand. Look with me in verse 6 again. Paul says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I mentioned that this verse has been misused. Have you ever watched a TV preacher before? Anybody in here admit that you've watched a TV preacher? There are some okay ones. And there are some really, really bad ones. I'll just, I'll go ahead and let you know. Most of, I can't say all, I don't want to blanket all, most of the preachers you see on television misuse this passage of scripture. Here's what they want you to to believe. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Therefore, the more you give, the more you will get. That principle is kind of seen here if you want to take it out of context, as a, a sower in a field, if you throw out three seeds, you'll get at most how many plants? Three plants. But if you sow out 30 seeds, you're going to reap a harvest of up to 30 plants. The more you give, the more you'll get. Can I, can I tell you, that's not what Paul is saying here. <laughs> Paul is by no means asking us to give so that we will be rich. And if anyone tells you the more you give to the church, the more God will grow your bank account, they are lying to you. As a matter of fact, I have found often when I give, let me take that back, every time that I give, my bank account shrinks by that amount of money. Every single time, 100% of the time, right? Paul is not saying if you give more, you will get more. The sowing and the reaping has nothing to do with what you will get. Paul is talking about ministering to another church the more you give, the more the harvest of that ministry will grow. It's not that you get more. It's that the church is able to minister more. Whoever sows sparingly, that ministry will will reap sparingly. But the, the church who sows generously, who gives generously, will have all that they need for God's expanding ministry. Now, I've seen God do a lot with a little. I've seen churches who are small and unable to give much, but give faithfully, grow and expand because they are giving all that God has called them to give. On the flip side, I've seen large churches who are in glamorous buildings, who, who should have all the budget they need, but have people who so sparingly, And you see slowly their ministries die. God can do a ministry through a small amount. The the point is not if you give more money, there will be more done. The point is if you are generous and you so generously as an individual, watch what God can do through that. Watch how God will use it in the church. I'm not going to bore you with budget numbers here. I'll, I'll let our treasurer do that. He's good at boring us with budget numbers. We thank you for that, Jim. And, and I'm instead going to give you kind of a... Uh, that was a, a jab. I didn't mean that. He's laughing. I hope you, you took that as a joke. Um, I, I'm going to give you kind of an overview of our church budget in, in stupid terms that I understand. Now, a detailed copy will be available, and Jim can explain that to you well. Instead, there's really three areas that we have in our budget that, that are important uh, and, and everything kind of falls under these three areas. One is ministry. What are we doing to, to serve the church and serve others? Two is personnel. Who do we have to hire and pay? Our, our pastor and our secretary. And we've got a, a Wednesday night part-time cook and a custodian part-time. and Who do we have to pay to, to help run things at the church? And three is uh, like building or tangible pay electric bills and, and water bills and that sort of thing. We have those three umbrella areas, right? There's a couple of things we have to realize. No matter what tithes and offerings come in, if we don't pay our bills, we don't have a place to meet. So every single time a bill comes in for the electric, Jim pays it right every single time the water bill or the gas bill or or the insurance bill or or what we have to pay those things right then we have personnel who are our people i'm very thankful that we have a line item in our budget for personnel thank you all for that now i'm going to go ahead and tell you it's not just myself we have several part-time employees as well that that have families that have livelihood that, that we have to pay We don't go overboard. It's not, uh, if you look at our budget compared to other budgets, it's not as if we're out of proportion with with how churches function. Uh, But these are people with families that that we have to give paychecks to. So when we sow sparingly, we still have to pay the bills, and we still have to take care of the people the church has has pledged to to serve the church and and then to, to pay through that. What then gets cut in our budget? It's the ministry. It's not that we want the ministry to be cut. It's that there are people who have to be paid. There are bills that that have to be paid and covered. This principle is what Paul is writing about. Give generously so that we can increase that ministry line item. Here's what's great. Our electric bill may change slightly from year to year. But in general, we're using a similar amount of electricity every year. Maybe it goes up a little as we grow, but, but it's not going to exponentially grow. Our personnel and our staff, we're not handing out crazy raises every year. It's not as if we're going, good job this year, Pastor, you can double your pay. It's not how it works and not how I would let it work. Instead, what we want to see grow, our ministry budget, our, our, our budget grow, is in that ministry line item. I would love to double our ministry budget. If tomorrow there was a large sum that came in, it would not go to personnel or to building. It would go to ministry. The the people who give generously, the the churches that give generously will then reap generously and have a bountiful gift. We give because we want to see God's ministry expand. I did have to clarify this in a, a previous message at another church that someone had asked me. It doesn't work this way. The more you give, uh, our personnel paychecks don't go up because of it. If you give more, that doesn't go into personnel at all. And so I'm thankful for that. I don't want anybody thinking the preacher is trying to get more in his pocket. I want to see God's ministry grow. And we give so that we can do more ministry through our church. But secondly, we give because we want to experience God's joy. God wants us to experience joy in giving. I warned you that there's a lot of misused passages of Scripture in this section. And and this is one that, again, has been misused over and over. Look in verse 7. It says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You and I like to read this verse, and you know what we like to, to do to it? God says he wants me to give cheerfully and it hurts me if I put more than $5 in the offering plate. And so I'm I'm miserable if I give what I feel like I'm supposed to give. I don't want to be under compulsion and I'm going to just put a small amount and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Can, Can I tell you that's not what this verse is saying at all. God has not said, give so that you'll be cheerful, or as you give, it will make you cheerful, or if you give, all of a sudden, um, you should do it only to the extent that you will be cheerful. Instead, God says, when you give, when you sow generously, when you see God's ministry grow, you're going to take pride and joy in what God has done with your gift. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Do you know elsewhere in Scripture it tells us that our heart is deceitful above anything else? This idea that we should follow our heart is not a biblical teaching. It's not that God has not given us a conscience and a heart to lead us, but our heart is sinful. And if we wait for our heart to tell us to be obedient, we will never be obedient. But each one must give as he has decided in his heart, under the umbrella of Christ. Scripture tells us that while our heart is deceitful, God has given us a new heart. He's changed the way we think. He's changed the way we approach things. And each one, in their faith in Christ, must look and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, but joyfully. I think of my, my children i 've got three kids, uh, two daughters and a, a baby uh, almost twenty month old he is twenty months old now holy smokes he 's growing and, and I, I think of teaching them and disciplining them I think of telling them what 's right and wrong and and especially my my two older girls they 're very well behaved fifty percent of the time, ninety percent of the time, so you know most of the time they're they 're pretty well behaved But what what I'm trying to teach them is is they need to do the right thing, not because Daddy says so, but because they desire to, right? Which which is better? For you to look at your child and say, your room is a mess, clean your room. And they drag their feet, and 10 minutes later you go up there, you've not even started, your room's a mess, clean your room. And and they put a couple of things away, and you're yelling and screaming, you have to clean your room, do what I say. You know, Or is it better for them to come downstairs and go, Hey Dad, I cleaned my room. That doesn't happen very often at our house, by the way, right? But when it does, it's like, why did you do that? You know? Nobody told you to. You just did the right thing. And and I'll be honest, those are joyful interactions I have with my kids when they come to me and say, I just did the right thing. I just did what I know you want me to do. There's joy and there's love and there's excitement in that. Even though the, the labor is still there, the cleaning is still there, there's an acceptance of, of, this is how it's supposed to be. There's no compulsion, no reluctance. There's just faithfulness. This is the joy that God promises to give us when we sow generously. Not reluctantly, okay God, I guess I have to give this to you, but God, I know you can do so much with what little I'm giving. I know you can do so much with my obedience, and I trust you. There's a joy that we experience when we faithfully give what God has called us to give. So we give to experience God's joy. God also calls us because he wants to stretch us to give generously, to understand God's provision, to know that God takes care of us. God calls us to give because it's an act of trust. God wants us to know that we can live off what we have left over. Scripture teaches us, starting in the Old Testament, and contrary to popular belief, very clearly is taught in the New Testament, to give a tithe to the Lord. A tithe is literally a a 10% of our, our gross overall income. And so God is calling us to give one-tenth of everything we have to His ministry. That's not a pastor asking for it. That's what Scripture teaches. And let me tell you, 10% doesn't seem like a lot until you give it. God wants us to give so that it stretches us and makes us trust that He can do more with our 90% of income than we could do with our 100%. And so God calls us to trust Him. That's what we read about in verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's the promise that God gives us, that He will meet all of our needs. He will give us sufficient funds for what we are called to do. Now, I don't want to mislead you in this next illustration, to somehow twist it into being, if I give, I will get. Because we learn very early that's not how it works. Often we give and are in in financial struggle because of that. We should never let ourselves believe that we are giving to put ourselves in a poor position. Instead, we are giving to trust God is meeting our needs. And sometimes He miraculously does. When I was looking for a Uh, Youth Pastor position leaving my first church and and getting ready to go to another church. We had interviewed at a church in Ohio now early on in our our ministry Uh, my wife had had some some medical things done and we had some medical bills that had kind of uh, stacked up and and we were unable to, to pay them and as we're interviewing at this church. Uh, we go through the entire process and are ready really to be called to serve this church when, when God just closes the door on, on our end and then it was confirmed on their end. And so we, we weren't going to this new church. And, and about two weeks later, I, I got a, a letter from this church. And inside of it was a check for $1,000 that said, We don't know why, but we really just felt God put us in your life because you needed something. We didn't share that with the church. We didn't say we've got a stack of medical bills and it covered all of them and it was God's way of saying I'm putting you in a place where you need to be and I'm going to take care of you. Now has God always sent a check to cover my bills? No. That's not the point of the illustration. But has God always met my needs? Yes. There are times that sometimes what I need is to cut back on on my excessive spending and God gives me what I need. I give to the church and I go, now I can't afford to do those extravagant things I was wasting money on before. I I need to to get my budget in order. Sometimes what God is teaching us and what we need to do is to be financially responsible. And when we give, it forces us to do that. Sometimes what we we need are our our day-to-day grocery things. Can Can I share with you, that's where the church comes in. I'm so thankful that we have a generous church. There's never been a church member, and I can't think of very many outside the church either, who have come and said, I have a specific, tangible need that our deacons haven't prayed over and quickly decided to help. Truthfully, God provides for needs. God is not saying that, that if you give, you'll all of a sudden be comfortable, but what he's saying is, you won't have to go without. I will meet everything. And you give so that you understand and trust that God can do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100 Why do we give? To understand God's provision. We also give to express gratitude toward God. As God meets your needs, you will naturally respond with a thankful heart. Do you ever think of giving as a way of saying thank you? I like to watch the show, The Office. I don't know if you, you watch it or not. It, it's, um, it, it's stupid, but it's, it's hilarious. And, and I, I can remember specifically a Christmas episode where they had a limit to what they could give, right? It was, everyone is exchanging gifts, and there's a $10 limit. Well, uh, the idiot boss, Michael Scott, ignores that rule and buys, I can't remember what it was. I think it was maybe an iPad or, or an iPod show. I can't It was a $200 gift, right? And he provides it, and, and they get all upset because he went over the $10 gift. And then he gets mad because the gift he receives is only $10. And he looks at the camera, and, and I love what he says. He said, I, I think that giving a gift is a great way to tangibly tell someone, I care about you this amount of dollars, you know? And I think sometimes we, we think about our giving that way, right? I, I love God this amount of money. No, God has not asked us to give so that we can feel good about ourselves instead it's it's a tangible way to say, "God, I trust you to take care of me, and I thank you for taking care of me." all through scripture we, we see that the amount people give is not really a factor. God calls us to give our tithe our ten percent, but but there were Pharisees who were giving uh, money upon uh, coins upon coins and, and filling the offering basket. And Jesus looks at them and calls them hypocrites. And there's one woman who has what amounts to about half a penny and lays it in, in the offering plate. And Jesus looks at her and says, she has the right heart and the right attitude. It's not about what we give or how much we give. It's, a, it's about an attitude of expression of thankfulness for God. You've provided for me. And I'm thankful for your provision. Verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 9 says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. As we see ministry expand, as we see God use faithfully what we've given, we will erupt with praise and thanksgiving for what God can and does do. And finally, God calls us to give generously, to participate in His Generosity. We can participate in the goodness of God, literally being His hands and His feet. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9.13, by their approval of this service, they'll glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Paul says, thank you for your generosity. You are being God's work. In their lives, God wants to use you in His generosity. God does not need your money. God does not need our money. But God desires to use us in His mission. God's desire is for us to participate in His generous ministry. Why should we give this morning? Not because we're forced to or compulsed to. My prayer is not that anyone leaves here and and has this conviction of, I feel awful because all these years I've not, that's not the point of what Paul is writing. Instead, my hope and my promise is that we would look and say, Lord, I want to participate in your ministry. I want to be a part of faithfully obeying you and seeing what fruit you bring through our church. I'm thankful for the ministries we have at this church but one of my favorite things to do is not talk about the money that funds these ministries, but talk about the ministries we have going on. Do you know we have the best vacation Bible school of any church in our county? And that is not an exaggeration. And I don't care what other church pastor stands up and says the same thing. They're wrong, right? <laughs> we have a vacation Bible school that ministers to, to 70, 80 kids. And for a church our size, that's unbelievable. We have kids from other churches that come to our vacation Bible school because they tell us, yours is better. (laughs) But we have a vacation Bible school that teaches kids the Word of God clearly, teaches them why the Bible says what it does and how God's calling them to live. We have a vacation Bible school that is over the top with decorations that kids get excited about. We have songs that we teach them that literally say the words of Scripture so they know what God's Word says. We have vacation Bible school that invests in families. And you know what? When we give to our church, we support a ministry that invests in those children. We have a a fantastic mission uh, fund that goes to support 10 missionaries directly around the world. I'm so thankful that our generous gifts at First Baptist are able to invest in the lives of people like our missions of the month, missionaries of the month, uh, Jonathan and Joanna Liggett. They serve in Guatemala right now, and every year for the last two or three years, they have collected items uh, to, to give out at Christmas time to kids and their families. Your generous gifts have gone to fund almost exclusively that ministry. We see them leading people to Christ in in countries that we've never been, talking to people who we would never get to talk to because God is doing a work through your gift. We serve missionaries out in California and and here in a few weeks, uh, about two months, there's a team of five of us that is gonna go serve our missionaries in San Francisco, sharing the gospel. Your giving to our church helps us go and learn how to share our faith faith. And share it with people who otherwise uh, we would not be able to. We have fantastic ministries that, that not only are for women, we, we have a, a great men's group that meets together, our, our Sunday school classes, our strong, small groups. We have youth programs that are growing and thriving. Did you know we have 20 people going to camp this year with our middle school and high school? Oh, 20, I don't, the whole time I've been here, we couldn't add together the groups and, and get much more than 20. The Lord is growing that youth ministry. We see God at work in the ministries of our church. And so we we ask, why then should we give? Because God wants you to be a part of his ministry. God wants to use you in what he's doing in and through our church. God can do great things without us, but he doesn't want to. His desire is that we serve him and be his hands and his feet. This morning, I'm very well aware that, that we do have guests and we have some regulars here that, that may not quite be on board with, with this, this giving thing. And so uh, let me take it a step backwards before we ever think about giving as, as we wrap up this morning's message, can I invite you just to be a part of God's generous love? Not to give anything this morning. If you're struggling with, with the why should I give, can, can we take just a moment and let you experience the generous love that God has for us? Can we step back for just a moment And realize that each one of us is deserving to to be cast aside and separated from God. And yet, in His great generosity, sowed generously on the cross. He died on our behalf, so that we no longer have to live a life that leads to death. God generously offered His own Son in our place. He literally paid. Yes, that's the terminology Scripture uses. Paid for our sins. God gave us so much in salvation, and so this morning, before we even ask the question, why should we give? Can we just ask the question: Have I received generously the salvation of God this morning? Well, we're going to close in a word of prayer, and I would invite you during our song of invitation to begin with that question: Have I experienced the generosity of God in salvation? And if you say, yes, I have, then ask, how can I participate in that generosity by giving this morning? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your generous, great love. Lord, you held nothing back on the cross. Lord, I'm eternally indebted to you because of my salvation. Lord, as you give, we realize it was painful and it hurt There was a crucifixion that took place and betrayal and shame. And yet, Scripture tells us we can count it all joy to find salvation in Christ. Well, we thank you for joyfully giving your Son for our salvation. Lord, we pray that we would also generously give to your work and your ministry so that others can know that message, others can know of your salvation. We pray that we would be faithful to use our tithes and offerings, our gifts, to serve you through our church and our community, through our missionaries around the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.